Ari Rosenbaum here with another fun-filled episode of that 4K podcast. This week's topic, we're going to talk about uh, the fear of Department of Labor audits. One of my favorite subjects because it brings up a whole host of horror stories. But of course, first things first, that 41ksite.com for further information on our events, virtual events for planned providers in January, planned sponsors this October. We're going to have sign up soon for the live events in uh, Arlington, Texas on Friday, May the 3rd, 2024. Friday, June the 7th, 2024, we are going to have um, Yankee Stadium, Bronx, New York. Uh, for years, it's been a while since we hit like a New York area event. The last time, you know, obviously COVID had a lot to do with it. Uh, 2019, uh, November, we were at uh, MetLife Stadium. It was, a, it was a really cold day, surprisingly, for November. I think it actually snowed the morning of. and um, Got a good attendance. The room was a little too narrow for us, but uh, hopefully uh, we'll have some fun at Yankee Stadium, uh, the house that uh, Steinbrenner built, because uh, uh, the house that Ruth built is no longer existing. But, of course, like I said, go there. A whole bunch of articles, uh, some good stuff. Uh, been writing, you know, been talking a lot, writing, you know, my age with, you know, meeting some high school friends and my son graduating high school, a little bit more reflective in life. Uh, I just wrote an article uh, not too long ago about speaking up. Uh, when you have, uh, when you live in a house with two overbearing parents, um, you know, I was very, very timid. I was very, very shy. I, I feared everything. I feared speaking up. I recently wrote an article about speaking up and referenced a situation when I was in high school and uh, kind of got, I think, I think insulted with a position uh, at uh, the synagogue and I didn't speak up. And it's the whole idea that, you know, now over time, you set up your own business, you have some more confidence. And I, even when I was adult starting out work, always under the fear of getting fired and this, this, and that. And when you do get fired, um, I think it takes away that fear. The first time you get fired, it, it takes away that fear. But I still have a fear of heights. I have a fear of the water, and I have a fear of the Department of Labor audit investigation. I'd say fear of heights is far worse than the DLL audit. Uh, my wife uh, recently posted, uh, not recently posted, showed us a picture when we were in Chicago about two years ago. We were at the Willis Tower, which will always be the Sears Tower to me. Um, and uh, there is a part over there where it's like, they call it the ledge, which is like a plexiglass, thick plexiglass ledge off the top. And my wife is the only one who had the courage to take a picture. I just have a fear of heights. I mean, I remember at the CN Tower in Toronto and also at the uh, Seattle Space Needle. Um, which uh, I'll be there in a couple of days. Well, not Space Needle, but Seattle. I just want to, I just didn't want to step on it. It's just that that fear of heights. But the Department of Labor audit is is certainly at the top three, and that's just based on experience, and and based on the nature of the job. And obviously, you know, their nature of their job is the Employee Benefit Security Administration. That's part of uh, the Department of Labor. Labor, labor. Well, I'm not uh, I'm not from Boston, but. You know, their job is to uh, regulate and enforce the provision of Title I of ERISA, which is going back to 74. Uh, the head of ERISA now, uh, head of EPSA right now is Lisa Gomez, who uh, I 
work with um, at a certain law firm for about a year. Um, well, for me, it just wasn't my thing. And that was a firm that she was at since she started law school. She's like a few years older than me. I want to say five years older than me or whatever it is. And uh, I, I, I like her. I don't think I liked any of the other partners at that firm, but I really, I really liked her. Uh, but um, obviously DOLs wears a lot of hats through EPSA, you know, individual class exemptions from prohibited transaction provisions, uh, EPSA's national field enforcement program, policy analysis, economic research, tracking all benefits, developing an analysis of policy issues, regulations, the 5500, but, you know, civil penalties, criminal matters, but obviously the audit and, and participant complaints and, of course, the audit process. And, you know, the 5500 is a tax form for all uh, retirement plans. Uh, obviously, a plan could be uh, reviewed by the Internal Revenue Service and or the Department of Labor. And, by the way, they work together. They can refer matters to each other. I just had a discussion with a DL agent uh, about a matter, which I, I think I'll talk about again. But... Uh, they refer matters to each other. So if the plan's on the DOL and DOL sniffs around, they'll make a referral to the IRS. And I'm sure the IRS takes that very, very seriously. Uh, so, you know, Internal Revenue Service cares about, you know, compliance with the code. EPSA cares about participants' rights and abiding by ERISA. So we got two laws, the Internal Revenue Code and ERISA, uh, two different tracks. But a retirement plan has to meet both tracks. And obviously, the DOL audit, just like the IRS audit, is based on the idea of voluntary compliance. Uh, the idea is you, you do it, we have a voluntary tax system. We, we you know, it's all based on uh, the honor system. And, uh, you know, the honor system, of course, filed under penalties of perjury. And obviously, Department of Labor is concerned about ERISA. It's current caring about participants' rights. Uh, the DOL might sue a plan a sponsor or plan provider, um, which the IRS really, it's its more of an audit nature, plan disqualification area. DOL is all about, you know, filing a lawsuit litigation under the auspices of the Secretary of Labor. And, you know, a lot of times part of labor could just be a random audit. Sometimes it can be because of a, a error on the 5,500, uh, late deferral deposits as comes to mind, no bonds. And sometimes it's a plant participant that blows the whistle. And, you know, the scarier times are when it's the plant participant blowing the whistle. Obviously, I think it's important that, you know, all plant sponsors call an arrest attorney if they're being audited. Um, you know, I always joke I know why people hate lawyers because I went to law school. You know. You could see the swarmy kinds and the good kinds. And uh, it's funny, I'm still friends with a lot of people on Facebook from law school. And, uh, you know, the people couldn't, couldn't stand your, you know, I I don't even see on Facebook. I don't know if they exist on Facebook. But, uh, you know, as we discussed, worked for two law firms for three years in between my time working for TPAs and starting my own practice. And it just was, wasn't for me. Uh, it was all billing by the hour. Uh, it was all about, you know, billing by the hour instead of doing good work. 
but I think it's important that a plan sponsor call an ERISA attorney um, uh, and handle the audit. Uh, years ago, I had a financial advisor. I think he, I think the matter was an IRS matter, and he referred me, you know, referred the client to me, and then the client said, "No, we uh, we don't want it to become an adversarial process by bringing an attorney." Friends, it is an adversarial process. There are two sides. They are not looking. They're doing their job of reviewing the plan. They're not there to make friends. And bringing an attorney doesn't make it adversarial. It already is. Um, I think the plan sponsors that represent themselves have fools for clients. And, you know, it's not a friendly process. Um, and I think the plan sponsors representing themselves, what they do, the biggest mistake they do is they volunteer things. I was just in an IRS audit uh, over a week ago in person for the first time since COVID. Most times now it's done online, but the situation was, you know, I told the plan sponsor, watch what you say, don't volunteer things, and thankfully, you know, she listened, and uh, plan sponsors, you know, try to be, you know, the idea is, you're, you know, if to be uh, volunteering information, you're very, very forthcoming, you know, that, that scores points, but what it really does, it digs a bigger hole for plan sponsors most of the time. I think, you know, plan sponsors should certainly consider hiring an ERISA attorney. Um, you know, and it's important to have an ERISA attorney, not your real estate attorney. I actually have a DOL matter right now. I'm on the call and the plan sponsor has got an estate, plan, estate attorney because there's litigation over with family members and that sparked the investigation. But, you know, I give credit to the estate planning attorney. He knows he doesn't know anything about ERISA, and he sticks to what he knows, and he's just, compare, uh, he's just uh, interested in, in what the matters are uh, concerning uh, the estate case. And again, I always talk about the horror story. Plan sponsor accused by the Department of Labor from stealing millions of dollars from their plan, embezzling. It wasn't really true. Uh, unfortunately, the actuary didn't do any of the work. And, uh, you know, there was no valuation reports. Actually, I said it was perfectly okay for this woman to write a check from the retirement plan to another one of our failing companies. Department of Labor looks at it and says, oh, it's a private transaction, you're embezzling. And, uh, you know, it, it was a problem because I begged the woman uh, to settle. And I talked to her litigating attorneys and I said, let's settle. I sat in federal court uh, one time and then I was dismissed. And then two or three years of litigation commenced and the woman still ended up paying the millions of dollars to the Department of Labor. And I'm sure with a nice six-figure um, civil defense bill. And uh, on the positive side, I, you know, bailed out a plan sponsor that put in all their defined benefit money with Bernie Madoff. And again, that's not something you find in a textbook. You don't know what to do. Uh, you fix it with the Department of Labor's blessing, and it worked out for the client. Um, they got a, a, a great 401k plan now. They got out of trouble, and so it's important that um, uh, the use of an ERISA attorney uh, should be uh, considered.
Uh, obviously, uh, 5,500 errors are a great way of increasing the chances of an audit. Private transactions, late deferral deposits, no ERISA bonds. Uh, these are some of the ways you can have a bad answer that I'll get you audited. Uh, as far as, you know, the participant complaint, uh, a lot of uh, scarier cases that I've been involved with have involved participant complaints. This one right now uh, is a family matter, but these are family ma family people who were participants in the plan. And, uh, you know, uh, failing to provide a benefit, failing to provide information, uh, that'll get you in trouble. Uh, you know, I had a family member drop a dime on, on a... Uh, former employer uh, over um, something as inane as uh, doing an automatic rollover and claiming she was a lost participant, but she was not. So she created a, a headache for the former employer uh, over a $30 uh, you know, fee that was assessed by the uh, IRA provider. So, uh, you know, when you have somebody as a nurse attorney and you want to cause mischief, uh, that's what happens. Kind of reminds me of Goodfellas, the guy being fed to the lions in Tampa. His sister worked for the uh, FBI. She was like a secretary, and all of a sudden everybody went to jail, Jimmy, Henry, and her brother as well. But, you know, obviously hiring a nurse attorney beforehand, you could pinpoint the errors and fix them before the Department of Labor investigates and audits. Uh, deal audit, uh, you know, the, the whole investigation, you really don't know at the beginning as to why uh, the plan is being audited. You just eventually get an idea. Uh, the two crazy ones, the Madoff and the Embezzlement one, were started because um, you had employees who were excluded from the plan. My ERISA professionals will say, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, if you exclude them by their name, uh, that's not a reasonable classification. And that's how they used to do it in the old days. And I assure you now, you can't do that. So if you exclude Ari Rosenbaum from participation in your retirement plan, Ari Rosenbaum could go to the Department of Labor and the Internal Revenue Service and make a complaint because that's not a reasonable classification. Uh, you know... Uh, The DOL, again, they're, they're civil. Most of the time, it's civil. Uh, it's not criminal. Sometimes it's criminal. Uh, years ago, I think I've told the story ad nauseum. Uh, I told it at the IRS audit. And uh, this was a guy referred to me by a friend of mine. Uh, his wife was a real estate attorney. Uh, and uh, his family owned some restaurants, fast food places um, in New York. And he was being contacted by the Department of Labor. Plan to not file 5500s. Company went out of business. Plan to file 5500s for a couple of years. So he came in for a consult and I said, well, what's with the plan? Where's the money? And he admitted to me that he um, used that money for home renovations. So right then and there, you know, working at that old law firm, I bring in a you know, criminal attorney from the practice. Obviously, it's no longer there. That New York office, when I worked there, we had about 13, 14 attorneys. I think they're down to two. Um, great job, Lois. 
um, and Pat. And um, what happened was, criminal attorney comes in, and you know he's talking about federal sentencing guidelines. If you confess, you'll get less. And I basically told him, listen. Well, first of all, he gets on the phone with his wife and then admits that he deposited the money from the fifty uh, from the retirement plan into their personal, you know, checking account. And she was an attorney, uh, not happy with that, because you know doesn't want a co-conspirator uh, on her record. And I think they eventually got divorced. I warned him and I told him, listen. Uh, they are on to you. Fess up, cooperate, and make a better deal for your for yourself. And what did he do? Went right at my office. Never saw that man again. Uh, of course, I'm curious at times. I googled his name, and I saw that about six months after he talked to us, Department of Labor, you know, DOJ, DOL. He got arrested, and I want to say he served uh, three years in jail, or you know I think it was cut back. I think federal sentencing guidelines. I think I think you have to serve eighty-five percent. I forget what it is, but you know he didn't listen, and you know there are matters where it's a criminal matter. Um, I uh, you know the other criminal matter. Uh, was dealing with Matt Hutchinson. Um, you know, I was a fiduciary, placed him on the one map he didn't steal from, and uh, it all started. How did you know? It's an interesting thing with Matt. Uh, I replaced him on on a plan. Money was coming, going to come into my plan. He stole that from another plan, and four or five months before I ever became a fiduciary of the plan. The TPAs of one of the MEPs reached out to the uh, Department of Labor office, I believe in the state of Washington, I think it was the Seattle office, and that's what started. And, uh, you know, Matt refused to cooperate, claimed he was a political prisoner of, you know, Obama. Uh, you know, Obama's to blame for everything, I guess. And uh, he got sentenced to 17 years in jail, and I think right now he's in a halfway house. Um, you know, federal prisons a lot better than state prisons, especially New York. Uh, and then there was the uh, situation with uh, Jeff Ritchie, who uh, uh, was a TPA out in Dallas, three sixteen. Um, you know, he got picked up, him and his wife, for embezzling millions from their clients. And there are planned sponsors that steal money as well, uh, and that's just the nature of the business and the nature of what the DOL does. They get to put people in jail, and um, most of the time you're going to get audited by DOL. It's going to be a civil matter, you know, um, failing to provide notices and all that. You'll get a slap on the wrist. Right now, I have a DOL audit with a client, and the issue is his plan. Uh, uh, his plan. Um, didn't allow for loans, and the TPA screwed up, and he took out a loan during COVID, took out $100,000. So in this situation, I said to the, you know, do well, yeah, he screwed up, and we do a VCP, and they're like, we don't care about the VCP, that's an IRS matter. We got a Title I, 
you know, issue. We got a private transaction and we want you to pay off that loan. And right now it's a $60,000 loan and we have to fix it and then go BCP. But that's the nature of, uh, you know, most, most uh, DOL audits are going to be civil in nature. And obviously what should, uh, what should they do? Um, you know, obviously I think plan sponsors need to be prepared. Uh, it should be a full review of the Form 5500, the SPD, other plan documents. Um, uh, should be a list of compliance headaches that the DOL investigator could find out during the audit. I hate surprises. Uh, of course, I have plan sponsors in the prepare, and so that's all I get are surprises. Obviously, if there are issues out there, fix it ahead of time. Tell the DOL that you're going to get the plan back in compliance. And then, you know, obviously answering questions back and forth, taking the necessary corrective action. I think the worst thing you can do is to be stubborn and not cooperate. Uh, the best clients I have are the cooperative ones, and they nip things in the bud. Uh, the bad ones drag it out, and it becomes a problem. Like I said, this poor woman got civil litigators involved because they wanted to litigate the case out because they wanted the fee. I didn't. Uh, and she got hammered. So that is all for this week's episode of that 4K podcast. Tune in next week and uh, hope you guys tune in. Thanks. Bye.